You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. On Good Friday, um, again, we shared about Jesus the sacrifice. He came and removed our sins, cleansing our conscience and making us holy and righteous in him. And then last week, Tyler shared about Jesus the great high priest. I wasn't in but I listen to the podcast. That's my little push. If you if you if you've missed any sermons, go on the podcast, listen to it, and it's all there for you. Um, but yeah, he shared about Jesus, the great high priest, and how he fulfilled the requirements of the law and ushered in a new covenant of his blood. He's the executor of God's will in our lives, and through him we've become adopted sons and daughters. We are children of God. So, the baton has fallen to me today, and um, following the series, and to this, mo- this morning, um, I'm sharing about Christ the King. Christ the King. And if you want to turn into your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at the verse, first four verses of this. And it says... In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he has provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is just an outline just to point to the fact of how great our God is. He's been appointed heir of all things. But I want to dwell into Christ the King and look back a bit. And the first thing I want to mention is that Him as king, Jesus as king, was foretold. Christ the king was foretold. See, the prophets and the prophecy in the Old Testament, they pointed to the way of Christ. They pointed about the coming of Christ's kingdom in various ways and different forms. But if we look back in the Old Testament to the promise God made to David, if you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11 to 16, it will come up on the screen. And it says that the Lord declared to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now what an incredible promise that was, given to David. God was promising David an internal inheritance, a reign that would last forever through Jesus, through his son. 
How many of you, when you come across the genealogies in the Bible, do you skim over it? You know, yeah. It's in the Old Testament, and you got it in Matthew 1, 1, Matthew 1, it says, it starts with the genealogy of Jesus. You know, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and so on and so forth. I'm like, yeah, okay, where does it start, you know? But actually, when you look at it, when you actually look at it, and you trace it back, you know, it's astounding what, you know, really, when you look at it, because in Matthew 1, 1, it says, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So you know that Jesus was following the bloodline of David. Now, David was a descendant of Abraham. It's going right back in the Old Testament. Abraham was a descendant of Shem, who was the son of Noah. Noah was a descendant of Adam, who was the first man on this earth. Now, what is astounding for me is that right at the beginning, man was created. Right at the beginning, we were formed, and God said it was very good. Then we were, well, man, Adam and Eve, they were tempted. They were led astray, and they fell into sin, and so were, you know, taken out of the garden and and told by God, you're going to work on this earth, and, you know, you have to work the ground, get your own food and all that stuff. But right from the beginning, right from that moment, God had a plan into place, plan into place with Christ coming as king. Right from the moment that they had sinned, right from the moment that they had gone against God, if you trace the genealogy right back to that point, following this line, it all led to Jesus. There was a plan into place. God had already seen it. For me, I was just like, when I was looking back at that, I was just like, wow. So before even I came to be, God had already planned it. Before we had already even came to be on this earth, it was already planned. It had been, it had been foretold, and it had come. And now Christ reigns. And we're living in that time. What an amazing thing that is. So the king was foretold, and then the king came. Jesus came to this earth, but he came to serve. What are our thoughts about the mannerisms of a king? Now, when you think about a king, how do you think a king acts? He has a, he has a big, you know, big home to, to sit in with his family, servants to serve him. You know, he goes around in his chariot and, you know, lords it over everyone. I am the king. Serve me. Honor me. Jesus came and broke the perceptions of so many of him by bringing in a new perspective. He was the king to come, but he came to serve. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark, again, this will come into, come up on the screen, but in Mark 10, 42 to 45, Jesus was explaining this to his disciples. Jesus called them, the disciples, together and said, You know that those who are regarded rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life 
as ransom for many. Kings of this world lord it over, but Jesus came to serve. Jesus, the great king, as we already heard, the great high priest, the one who, who is the curtain, he came to serve us, not to be served by us. It's like we have to look at this from a different perspective that he is giving us to not be like the men of the earth, to be first to gain power and authority for our own advantage. We need to be heeding to Christ's example because he's bringing in this new perspective. He said, I may be king, but I came to serve. Follow my footsteps and serve with me. To lead, we must serve. To lead, we cannot lord. We cannot go out into this world and saying, I'm better than you. My king is greater than your king. We go out and we say, we serve. I'm here for you. I'm here to, to love you. I'm here to show you a better way. Right near the end of, the, of his time on earth, Jesus explained the nature of his kingdom. And in John 18, 30-37, we have this. Pilate then went back, into, or Pilate, I don't know which is the correct way to say that. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus' life and ministry was a direct example to us on how we should live, how we should see things, how we should understand situations. Like I said, he came and he gave a new perspective right from the moment he came, because he came as a baby and he came, you know, humbled. He came even humiliated in that sense. He came to serve. And right through his life and ministry, we see these accounts. So many people pouring, pouring to him, and he was serving them. He was healing them. He was speaking life into them. He wasn't just saying, "Well, I'm a king, so just just take my authority." No, no, no. He was saying, "I'm going to show you love. I'm going to show you compassion. I'm going to so- show you a better way." He was testifying to the truth, a truth that was in complete contrast to that of the world. But, but which must, we must take hold of. It's a truth we must take hold of. Because it points to a better way. It points to the only way. He came and he gave his life for us. And in many times I've gone over this and I've thought about this. And I don't think at times it can be very real. At times it's just like, I cannot even understand that. I just cannot in my mind even understand how 
that Jesus, the Son of God, came and gave his life so that now I can have a relationship with God. I cannot understand that. It's too, it's too big. And he did, but he did. He gave his life, but then the king was exalted. He was exalted to the highest place. He died, gave his life to become the curtain, to be our great high priest, but also to be exalted as king. To take, to be in that place that was promised to David right back. Right back in the Old Testament, what was promised to David, what was already planned from the moment that man sinned the first time. Now Jesus came and now he's exalted. I love this passage in Philippians 2, 6 to 11. It says, who being in very nature God, it says Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearances as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, or for this reason, or for what you've just heard, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that, is, that at the name of Jesus every single knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He was exalted, he was lifted up, but he was given the name that was above all names. No name is higher than his name, that every tongue confess that he is Lord, that every knee on earth, in heaven, but even under heaven, will bow before him and say, you are Lord of all. That's how great our God is. But what does it mean for us? It's just like how he came, he gave his life. Yes, he's now exalted at king, but as king, but he's no longer on this earth. You know, what does that mean? We are covered by grace. I love the, the meaning of grace, unmerited favor, undeserved favor, undeserved gift. I said it, Jesus did not have to die, but he humbled himself to death on the cross so that we all freely come to God, boldly approach his throne. We do not deserve what has been freely given to us, but it gets better. Can you believe that? It gets better. Because even we are exalted to his side, living in a new and different kingdom. If you turn to Ephesians 2, 4.10, again, I think I'll put this on and this should come up as well. A lot of scripture, but that's a good thing. You can never have too much scripture. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are seated on thrones next to our King and Saviour. I love how Paul puts it on this. He puts the past tense in here. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us. It's not, oh, we will be seated. No, we are seated with Christ. Through faith. We are glorified in Christ through faith. Through faith we receive an internal inheritance, participation in the kingdom of God. A kingdom that is reigned by a king that is above all names, above and over everything. We can participate in this kingdom. This kingdom that is above all else. We can participate in that. What a privilege. We do not deserve this at all. But yet, we've got it. We're living in this time, this gift, this grace that is freely given out to us, undeserved. But we are living in it. And by faith we can receive it. We need to change our perspective. Not of this world. There's so many passages I could pick out. There's so many. There's a, a, a rich amount. We're not, we are not of this world. We are set apart. We're set apart to be heirs of, heirs of Christ's kingdom. I want to focus on the king's power and authority. Because we are seated with Christ, we share in his power and authority. So you heard last week, we are sons and daughters, we are part of the family. Not separated anymore. In Ephesians 1, 18 to 21, as I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. His great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. His great power is available for us. And like I said, we are now living in Christ's kingdom. But even on this earth, we are living in Christ's kingdom, set apart. And we have to be aware that we are fighting in a different realm than we see. It's that common phrase, is what you see is what you get. But there's this phrase that what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are serving in a different kingdom, the kingdom reign of Jesus. But we must remember 
that there is a powerful enemy. The enemy was seen right at the beginning. This is where it started, right at the beginning with Adam and Eve. There you had the serpent, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, tempting them away from God. Take the apple. Did you really say not to eat it? And he's still here today. He's still wanting, he doesn't want us to have a relationship with God. He wants us to draw away from this, saying, you don't need to be part of this kingdom because what I have, what, you can have all this on this earth. You can have all, you know, I can make it better. It says in the, in, this, in the word, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But we have Christ. And Christ has given us everything we need because he reigns on high, because he's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's made a way now. We don't have to fight on our own. Ephesians is probably one of my favourite books, because it's so much in it, or letters, you want to call it a letter. But um, at the end, in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, you've got about the armour of God. And it's this, this passage is brushed over, I've heard it spoken about many times. And this is why we must be wary as well, is that when we hear something, it was like, I've heard this before, we switch off. When actually we should be switched on. Because it's at that moment we switch off that the enemy can come in. You don't need this. You don't need to hear this. Yeah, you've heard it before, it's, you don't need it. We have to be careful. And this passage, Again, when taken apart, there is so much within it that we need to take a hold of. Because right from in verse 10 and 11, it says, there is a call to be strong in the Lord. So I urge you, I urge you, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power, so that, you know, put on the full armor of God so that you can make a stand against the enemy's schemes. Right from that moment, it's like, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, in, the, in God. Make you, you know, put on the full armour which is available to you, which he can give us, after which we can make a stand. Now, making a stand doesn't mean that we can fight, but it means we can hold our ground. It means that no way, wherever we go, no matter how much we can get battered, we stand firm in Christ. Because we are fighting an enemy that is unseen and is a great influencer and provoker. But God has given us all we need. It's, I, for me, it's so easy to go, go every day and then a problem arises and it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to face this. I'm studying at Global University and I've got four modules and seven assignments to do in four weeks and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's okay. I'm sure at the right moment, inspiration will come. The strength will come. As long as I put God first, not try and do everything in my own strength. It's the same, the small things to the big things, always put God first. Don't try and face it on your own. We have a king. Remember, our king came to serve. 
He's not lording it over us. He's available for us. He wants to have a, us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to walk with him, to hold out our hands to him, say, okay, I don't know how to get through this, God, but you do, to trust in him. Because he has all authority. He is over our enemy. Even Satan himself has to say that Jesus is Lord. Isn't that amazing? It's like, Nothing's too big for our king. Nothing's more powerful than our king. We must realize that we serve a king that reigns above and over everything, all things. He is higher, he is greater, he is all-powerful. God made a plan that included all of us before any of us were even here. That part, I I, I still struggle to understand. (laughs) God made a plan that included every single one of us, you and me, before even any of us were even here on this earth. (laughs) Wow. What What a God we serve. Christ has come. Christ has come. He has torn the veil in two. He's become the curtain which we go through to have a relationship with God. He has sacrificed his life, cleansing us of our sins and our conscience, making us holy and righteous. He is the great high priest through which we have become children of God and who executes the will of God in our lives. And he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords, whose power is made available to us who believe when we walk by faith and not by sight. The kingdom we serve is not of this world. It is far greater and it's far better. And we can all partake in it. <laughs> what a joy. I don't know about you, but it's like when I was putting this together and I was looking at thinking, God, I don't even know where to start because you've done it all. How can I give you enough glory? How can I give you enough praise? Because you've done so much. And all I have to do is say, I believe and I will follow. And we can share in this incredible kingdom. I'm going to pray. And then we'll do a, we'll um, spend some time in in worship and just letting this sink in. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.